Welcome back. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Neuroaffirming Parent Podcast. I'm your host, the Neuroaffirming Parent, and today our episode is going to be about education, but not just any education, a dream for a neuroinclusive education. So let's stop there and talk a little bit about what inclusivity means. So how did I learn about this? I'm going to be honest, it kind of goes hand in hand with neurodiversity. Because if we recognize the fact that all of our brains naturally vary from person to person, and that we all are neurodiverse, then it moves away from these medical words in terms of disorder disability, difficulty. Instead, we look at the individual. We represent all the differences in our community and we understand that each of us process information differently. We communicate differently. We understand concepts differently. We move in the world differently and we engage in society differently. So, My best resources have actually come not from America. They're going to be coming from Australia when it comes to education. But America is not alone. We do have some really good resources when it comes to understanding inclusivity. And what I'll point out is pacer.org. That's P-A-C-E-R dot org. And what really stands out to me is how they start at the child level. And how do I know this? Because my kids love cartoons. They love Cartoon Network. And Pacer has a bullying campaign called Include Someone. And the cartoons featured are from the Cartoon Network shows. And they have a wonderful graphic on their site that says, Include Someone, Make a Difference. They explain that what does it mean to include? It means inviting and involving others so that everyone feels welcomed, valued, and supported and they offer free resources. So if you move on, um, they actually have a bigger website. They diversify a lot of their information. For me, what was most helpful is they have a specific website um, attachment to their address is CMH and it stands for Children's Mental Health. And they have a webpage about getting help. And what I love about it is it breaks down kind of how schools, communities, and families can look at an issue and what to do about it. And we touched about that a little bit on the IEP episode, but for me, I think it's so important to understand from a family's perspective, even before a child is in school, but we need to understand that behavior is communication. And there are certain things that affect behavior. Children have different developmental stages their temperament is going to change. And then, of course, if we have neurodiversity involved and they're a neurodivergent child, then that's going to affect their behavior. And so what can parents and educators do? We need to, number one, set clear expectations. We need to provide structure and consistency. Inclusive education does involve collecting data. We want to reinforce and name positive behavior. We want to include social emotional learning, which includes giving words for emotions. And we need to understand that we can change the environment 
So the behavior we don't want to see will be reduced or eliminated. And depending on the environment, we can change the behavior to what we don't want to see into something we do want to see. And how do we do that? By giving choices, practicing autonomy, avoiding power struggles. And for me, it's important to say that you don't want to avoid power struggles because they're difficult or because they're emotions you don't want to see. You want to avoid power struggles because you want to avoid dysregulation. And how do you do that? You model regulation. And social cognitive learning theory tells us that when children are modeled certain behaviors, they're more likely to pick those up and practice those behaviors. But ultimately, we want to support the children. We know that their behaviors and their emotions can be frightening for them as well. So we want to remind them that we are there to work through those big feelings together. That, you know, we can't control who does or does not like certain behaviors, but we can control how we react. And as a parent and a teacher, you want to communicate that you have unconditional love and support because everybody is learning and we want to model and show positive ways to communicate, cope, and manage behavior. So we need to see as adults, because we are mature, we are competent, that behavior is an opportunity to learn about the child. We don't need to fear behavior. We don't need to immediately punish or try to limit behavior. We need to learn from behavior. And if there's an opportunity to teach positive behavior, we need to model that. So these are a few things that we need to talk about. Because what are kids looking for in school? They want to feel safe. They want to feel like they're treated with respect. They want you to get to know them. They want to learn. And they want to know that you appreciate them trying. So those are all PACER resources. Now let's move into Australia. And I'll include the website in the show notes. But why do I say Australia? It's because they not just take education seriously, but when they did their research, they found out that inclusion is a concept in education most often associated with minority groups and people who experience a disability, which is neurodivergent people especially. And inclusion isn't just about that other category. Inclusion is about everyone. Inclusion is a human right. And that's been documented on the Declaration on the Rights of Disabled Persons in 1975. Which that would be in Australia. So let's talk about the following guiding principles that Australia currently uses for their disability standards for education. Number one, all students can learn. Number two, every child has a right to a high quality education. Number three, effective teachers provide engaging and rigorous learning experiences for all students. Number four, a safe and stimulating environment is integral to enabling students to explore and build on their talents and achieve relevant learning outcomes. Number five, 
For students with a disability or neurodivergent students and additional learning needs, reasonable adjustments should be made where required. And another thing I love to point out is that their curriculum states, students with a disability are entitled to rigorous, relevant, and engaging learning opportunities drawn from age equivalent curriculum content on the same basis as students without a disability. And that includes presuming competence. So what are the disability standards for education that all schools in Australia require? To ensure that students with a disability are able to access and participate in education on the same basis as students without disability. In America, that would be an equivalent of the least restrictive environment. So in Australia, they say you need to make or provide reasonable adjustments for students where necessary to enable their access and participation. You need to provide reasonable adjustments in consultation with parents, guardians, carers, an advocate, or a doctor that would be on their care team. So why do I bring up Australia? Uh, because number one, they are, along with New Zealand, moving away from balanced literacy. They care about structured literacy and they also include restorative practices. They care about their minority students. And so all of that to say, I also recommend you go to a website called doitprofiler.com. It's the work based of Professor Amanda Kirby. She was a speaker at last March's Neurodiversity Celebration Week. And I found her work on LinkedIn. Um, I'm really looking forward. I need to get her books because she has some wonderful books. But she gives some really good advice on parents and families and teachers about how they can support neurodivergent students and encouraging pro-learning behaviors. And it's going to be not just tips and tricks that you already know, but it's going to validate how you already feel about neuroaffirming parenting or applying neurodiversity affirming practices to work or school or your clinic. And so you want to praise attempts as well as successes. You want to ignore minor negative behaviors because they might be habits in terms of gaining attention. You want to spend a few minutes each day talking about your or talking with your child about what has been successful or difficult for them and be specific. You want to discuss strategies for improvement and be specific. And you want to include your child and ask them to come up with ideas as well. So you want to use the interest of your child and their competencies as a starting point during lessons or as reinforcement or completed work. So a good example is Let's say your child's interested in computers. You could use a computer time as a positive reinforcement for good behavior. You can use positive encouragement and, you know, tell them, hey, good job on that computer game. Even, you know, it sounds silly. These are things that we say in our head, but it's important to say these things out loud too. And you want to provide feedback in a calm, unemotional manager, correction, manner, and you want to give an explanation. So what this is talking about is you don't just want to say, good job, Johnny. You want to say, hey, Johnny, I saw you were working really hard on your homework yesterday. 
and you know you got an A from it that was really good work that you did there and you want to be more specific and individualize individualize that praise and you want to be consistent but fair you don't want to give praise every second of the day you want to find little moments and little pockets of moments where you know you're both quiet you know there you find that time and you just mention that praise but you always want to follow through on any agreed consequences or rewards and you also want to check for understanding you can always ask like did you hear what i said or you tell me what you heard and you can check to see if there's associated you know learning differences or language differences you know if you have a child like that you probably already know this information um but also you want to be aware of impulsiveness um and i say that because i personally deal with impulsivity and because it's hard to respond to difficult interactions and situations and not every behavior is going to be intentional and you also want to encourage your children to jot down ideas especially you know if they're getting interrupted or if they're getting distracted it's okay to have a notepad with you um another great resource i want to give you is my account i have been posting a lot and i i feel guilty if i post and you know it's <laughs> a thought that came to me like a long time ago but it's relevant again but please feel encouraged to scroll through my Instagram page or my Facebook page and find some really good, helpful information. But right now, I want you to take some time and just dream with me. So think about it this way. Let's picture that you are back in kindergarten and you have teachers and they receive comprehensive training and recognizing and supporting not just neurotypical children, not just neurodivergent children, but all children in their classroom, no matter their brain wiring. You look around and it's a sensory, wonderful environment. And it's a place where your needs are understood. The classroom is designed to provide you with a comfortable environment. You could imagine your parents and your teachers working together hand in hand, collaborating to reach the goal of a better education for you and your classmates. Then let's think, let's fast forward a little bit and move you into elementary school. So imagine a curriculum that celebrates neurodiversity, a curriculum where various strengths are embraced and challenges are supported. That is to ensure that every student can engage in learning in the classroom, in general education classroom, in ways that resonate with them. And let's not forget about social emotional learning, where empathy and understanding take a center stage. This fosters a nurturing environment for all. That's classmates, teachers, and parents. So now let's fast forward a little bit more, transition into middle school, and envision a system that promotes self-advocacy and autonomy. Students are taught to understand their own neurotypical or neurodivergent identities to communicate their needs confidently and to take ownership of their learning journey. Support services are not withheld. They're seamlessly integrated into the general education classroom 
which erases any stigma and ensures that every child's potential shines through. So finally, let's move on to senior year. Imagine a high school where a career exploration is inclusive. You acknowledge a vast range of strengths and passions. No more do you have to choose immediately if you want to go to college that's traditionally a liberal arts college or a technical school. Let's make college or continuing education a student's choice. Let's also consider that not all achievements are academic. We can reward students for life skills, executive functioning skills, emotional well-being skills. Graduating students can step into the real world with a profound sense of their self and a belief in their limitless potential of a specialty of their choice. Now, of course, building a neuroinclusive education system is not going to be easy. It's not going to be without its challenges. It's going to require commitment, collaboration, and a fundamental shift in how we perceive education. But as neurodiversity advocates, as neuroaffirming parents, teachers, tutors, and students, we can be here to make that happen. So, I want you to listen. Are you a parent? Or are you an educator? Are you a policymaker? Or are you just someone who believes in a world where every child's potential is nurtured? Then I want you to listen to this insightful conversation and think in your own ways. How can you or what can you do today to build a neuroinclusive education system that empowers our children, our students, our classmates, our loved ones to thrive? Well, my hope is that you can take this little snippet of information and use the resources that'll be in the show notes and explore what an inclusive education or a neuroinclusive education means for you. So thank you so much for joining us on this inspiring episode today. I want you to remember that together, we can turn dreams into actions and make a world of difference for neurodiverse children everywhere. Until next time, keep nurturing, keep advocating, and keep embracing the beauty of neurodiversity. But please also remember every child is unique, and the strategies we've mentioned here today might work best for one child, and it may differ from another child. You want to be willing to adapt and evolve your approach as you learn more about children's needs and strengths. Being a neuroaffirming parent is an ongoing journey of learning, empathy, and growth. So don't forget to subscribe, share, like, and leave us a review. Until next time, we'll be here and look out for the next episode to drop. You can also follow us on social media. We are at the neuroaffirming parent and also at the Neuroaffirming Parent Podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much again for listening, and I hope you have a great day.